SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports today on SportsGrid. 1 o'clock on the East, 10 o'clock on the West. Thanks for being with us here on the show today. If you're watching live, very cool. If you're watching on demand, even better. If you wouldn't mind watching on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe to the show. And leave us some comments, any questions that you may have for us. Of course, on Twitter, you can follow us at SportsGrid. Me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Joe on Twitter at JoePizzaPS17. We've got baseball coming up in a few hours from now. American League National League Championship Series. No NFL tonight on a Thursday night. I'm feeling great about that. Can take a couple more days to get ready for the weekend of college and pro football. But unfortunately, as we lead off to the show today, Joe, we're going to have to wait to see if the Atlanta Falcons are going to be able to play against the Minnesota Vikings coming up this weekend because they have one of their staff members testing positive. They're working remotely today. We saw from the Tennessee Titans that you don't necessarily have to have a lot of practice time to play well on the field, and we saw that. But remember, Tennessee missed a long time, and and you don't want that to happen to Atlanta or Minnesota. And I know that there are a lot of people out there that cannot afford to lose players from these squads because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, as as people have Matt Ryan and they have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, Huge maybe Todd Gurley. Huge. Minnesota so side, yeah. too. Well, well, yeah, the there, Minnesota there's side. a lot of players. Think about the think about the person that just spent a lot of free agent budget just for the one week of Alexander Madison. And what happens if the what if worst case scenario happens that maybe this is worse than people realize and this game ends up getting postponed this week to a later week. And then you get Dalvin Cook back in two weeks after the buy anyway. Oh, well, that is that is crushing. You just spent thirty five dollars maybe in your fat budget on Alexander Madison to get zero games by himself out of it. You're losing Jefferson. You're losing uh, uh, Thielen. You're also losing a little momentum for that Irv Smith wagon. He was really cheap on DFS sites this week, and I was looking at him thinking to myself, mm, I wonder if Irv Smith might be a really interesting tight end punt. No, I can't even wonder that anymore. There's a lot of fantasy ramifications of fallout from this particular game. Yeah, for sure. And we'll, and we'll also have to keep an eye on Odell Beckham Jr., who was sent home by the Cleveland Browns today. And there are reports here that he is being tested for COVID-19. We don't have any results. We won't have those till tomorrow. But make alternate plans for sure if he's on your roster. And he started to look good the last couple of weeks. What a shame. Okay, here are the headlines. Member of the Falcons test positive, and they're working remotely. <clears throat> Excuse me. I did see a report about 30 minutes ago that said that if they if it ends up being a false report, a false positive, that they may be able to go back to the field today or tomorrow. But I'm, I'm going to always play these sort of things conservatively because every single time that anyone has said one thing aggressive with getting the guys back on the field, it has been a 100% wrong every time. So I'll play the conservative wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Allen will start for the Washington football team. Dwayne Haskins uh, showed up today to the facility and then went back home. I mean, his career in Washington looks like it's over. Kyle Allen, who... Uh, looked okay when he first came into the game last week, and that definitely gives Washington a better shot to cover this week. I would say that as well. NFL cancels the Pro Bowl. Who cares? Conor McGregor (laughs) expected to fight Dustin uh, Poirier uh, in January of 2021, and they'll they'll fight in Dallas, and so McGregor will return for the, what, seventh time since he's – how many times has he retired or said he wasn't uh, going to fight? I was, the same time. I, I was just going to ask you the same thing. How many times is this now that he's come out of retirement? I mean, it's it, – why? Just just don't say you're going to retire. What, what? Just say I'm going to take some time off. Why do you have to use the R word all the time, Connor? Why? A lot of the, the boxers and MMA guys do it, though. They, they do they do it a lot, and then they come back. Yeah, Not as much as 
from the promoting standpoint, right? If you say, no, I'm, I'm retiring. I'm never going to fight again. I think it's just a way to get more money out of things. Wouldn't you say, because you're like, come on, we got to coax him out of retirement. It's not that he's taking time off. He's done. He's never going to fight again. Well, would it, would you fight for this much money? Uh, what about yeah. that much money? I think that's what it comes down to. It's interesting. I had somebody a couple of weeks ago tell me that nobody knows, but Floyd Mayweather is coming back too. I'm like, all right. So apparently. Yeah, everyone's just trying to get out of the house if they can. I think that's what it is. Yeah, apparently he's fighting. <laughs> apparently he's fighting Logan Paul, YouTube guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, the uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Team beat heart. All right, uh, let's, yeah. let's, go, let's go back to these great highlights, uh, great headlines here. Uh, boy, this can't get any better. If you thought that, oh, Gators postponed this week. No game for them against LSU. Second Southeastern Conference game postponed. Mississippi is also, of course, in doubt. And Nick Saban not going to be on the field for Alabama, Georgia, I would imagine, unless they have Nick Saban in a bubble, like rolling around somewhere. Could be. Uh, American League and National League Championship Series, they will continue later today. That will be my focus for sure. I've really enjoyed watching this postseason, no doubt about that. And and the other thing that I would ask, Joe, is we, we only have about a minute and a half to go here. But, and again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but do you think at this point the NFL just needs to come together and say, once this regular season ends, put everybody in a bubble and just play in a couple of stadiums for the postseason, for the playoffs? Do you think, you think that's realistic? I, I know it's not for the regular yeah. season. Uh, no, for the playoffs, I think it's very realistic. I, I think bubble cities right now, you're looking at what Major League Baseball is doing and it's working. You look how successful the NBA was. I, I think it's, right. I don't want to say a foregone conclusion, but it seems like a uh, foregone resolution. I mean, it seems like the way to avoid these things and you can police it a lot easier too. And I think that's what it's about right now. Can you get these games off on time? Because the last thing you want to do is start losing playoff games and things like that. Because it's one thing when it's happening in week six. It's another thing when you've got playoffs all you know mapped out and you've got Super Bowl mapped out and all these things and the TV rights mapped out for these big time national standing games. And all of a sudden you want to lose that. You want to lose that standalone Saturday night NFL playoff game? Absolutely not. I, I think this is a foregone conclusion. I think they're going to figure out a way to do this. And some owners are not going to be happy about it. But Craig, I mean, do they really have a choice at this point? I think they should. But again, I, I can't speak to what they will do. If, if it was me at this point, and look, if nothing happens with Atlanta and Beckham is okay, I don't want to jump the gun on any of this stuff. But I got to tell you, if another team or two has an outbreak and we're not even, what, a month into this thing, I would pause for one week and just go back and review what the protocols are, send send officials in to every team to make sure they're doing the right thing, not going anywhere at all. I, I would have to do that at this point because yeah. I'm not there yet. But I am one or two teams away from, from thinking that in the NFL. It's disappointing. All right, we'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Game 5 of the American League Championship Series is set to go today at 5.07 Eastern Time. And that, of course, 2 o'clock on the West Coast. For those of you who are into baseball at this point in the postseason, it certainly has been a lot of fun. And, and Joe, yesterday, before we get to the preview here, I, I thought that the Astros showed a lot yesterday because most teams in general, when they're down 0-3 or 3-0, depending on how you say it, they usually fall and get swept. It mm -hmm. happens in the NBA. It happens in Major League Baseball. It happens in hockey a lot, too. Teams just kind of feel like they're out of it. But I thought the Astros showed a little bit yesterday, so we'll see if they can build on that. 
Yeah, I think they showed a lot of it, too, especially the way they were losing, too, with some errors and things like that. And I think for the Astros, they feel in a way that they're giving it away. And I think for a team that's been in the playoffs, what, three, four years in a row now, a team that has a World Series title and multiple World Series appearances, I think there's a bit of pride. I think that's what you saw yesterday. And we'll see how much pride is left. And if pride is as good as the next day's starting pitcher, that's always the question here with this one. And the Rays have shown that in these kind of circumstances, they are built for this sort of a wide-open contest, which is what we're probably going to get today. However, I wonder if you know the Astros win another game here, all of a sudden do they start getting a little bit of a – I don't know, publicity is the underdog possibly. And does the narrative change on this team of the team that was down? I mean, think about this. The most hated team in baseball down 0-3 coming back to win a series. I mean, that seems like underdog, uh, you know, glorious uh, screenwriting to me. Certainly, I don't know if that's going to sell to the rest of America. But it's kind of fun to think about how they could possibly change the narrative there for at least maybe some people where they look back and say, wow, look at this team. They were down 0-3, no trash cans, no situation to speak of. They come back and win this series. Hmm, Maybe I got a little bit more respect for the Astros than I thought. Yeah, for sure. They're up against it, no doubt. And uh, look, we really don't have a lot to say on this game because there are no odds and there are no starters. So if (laughs) if anyone's out there can fill us in and fill in this graphic that you're seeing on the screen let us know and we'll and we'll fill it in there but it's uh 115 here on the east coast and we have no clarity whatsoever the rays are going to be favored in the game that we know uh but at this point they lead the series three to one based on yesterday i firmly thought that by the time we got three hours or four hours before a game we'd have clarity on this but the books are not going to let themselves get beat by putting up bad lines not knowing who starting pitchers are and again either of these teams could pull something out of their hat and, and maybe start somebody you don't think. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's where we're at, 3-1. After the game yesterday, Dusty Baker was basically asked about the resilience of the team and kind of how they feel moving forward after finally getting one against Tampa Bay. Uh, like I said yesterday, you know, I think us as a society, we we meet sometimes too much because everybody, all you can do is state the obvious. You know, I mean, you know, we're in, on in the process. Uh, uh, was uh, about to get eliminated if we lose this game tonight. Um, nobody's ready to go home. Um, you know, I'm not ready to go home, and nobody's ready to go home. We're we're ready to go to Dallas, and uh, so uh, you know, this is kind of what my message was. You know, there was a, there was a song by Freddie King, "Living in the Palace of the King." and going back to Dallas. So, uh, you know, we still one step closer to the top of that mountains, but we got, you know, a couple steep cliffs in the next couple days. All right. So lots of cliches there from Dusty Baker. And and certainly, uh, you know, he's got to motivate his guys. And basically at the beginning of that was saying that the people just meet too much. You don't need to meet, you need to act. And that's what the Astros did yesterday. They got, the veteran leadership going, and they ended up beating the Rays. But I, I think in general, Joe, it's going to be really hard for me to see any scenario where the Astros win the series. But I would say, again, it would not shock me to see them win another game here. Eventually, Tampa Bay is going to get Blake Snell, and they're going to get Tyler Glasnow on that mound, and they're also going to get Mr. Postseason mm-hmm. Charlie Morton. So uh, I, I do think it's going to come to an end for Houston, but it just may not be today. 
Yeah, look, I, I, I'm with you. More baseball is better, so let's get more games. It gives us more to talk about, sure. that's for sure. But I think Dusty yeah. Baker kind of hit the nail on the head there where, you know, sometimes it's not about meetings and going over stuff. Sometimes it's just getting a little distance. Sometimes it's getting a breather, having a laugh. I remember that great story that the uh, 86 Mets told about, uh, you know, they were down 0-2. They lost the first two games in their uh, stadium at Shea Stadium, and then they went on the road to Boston. And David Johnson gave everybody the day off. He said, don't worry, we got an off day. Don't come to the ballpark. Stay away from the ballpark. Just take a day because they had won 100 plus games in the regular season. They had an incredibly uh, emotional and physical series with the the Houston Astros that year. And they played that game that what was it, 16 innings, I think, with uh, in that game six, an incredible game. And they were just spent. And he gave them a breather, gave them a, a refocus, a reset. They won two out of the next three. And then obviously we all know the rest is history there. They went on to win the series. And it, it felt like the, the, Dusty was trying to do that. And Dusty reminds me a lot of Davey Johnson in that sense. He is a he's a guy that played the game. You know, he's not one of these managers that's just by the numbers. He's a, he's a man's man kind of thing. He's a player's manager. And I think in circumstances like this, it's a great reminder that managing a baseball team over the marathon of that season is about managing people. It's not just about pushing the right buttons and what the data printouts tell you. It is so much more than that. These are human beings, and I hate I hate that narrative that's crept in there. Anybody can manage a baseball team. It doesn't matter. Let's just put this guy. He's just going to do whatever the data department tells him, and I hate that. To me, it's about the people and getting the most out of them, and you saw that on full display last night, and I thought that was really cool. And, you know, kind of rooting for Dusty to get a shot here to be relevant and win again today. All right, let's move on to the National League Championship Series, 807 Eastern, hoping for a better game tonight than we saw last night, no doubt. Although the Dodgers are a very big favorite in this game, a rare postseason minus 200 and even higher than that, minus 225. Now, in general, for people who bet on the baseball postseason, you understand that by the time the game throws out the first pitch, in all likelihood, Atlanta will probably be plus 180, plus 170. This is going to go down. People love betting dogs, and that's how it is. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to pitch. We'll see how he does pitch. He did not speak the last day or two. I went back and looked and couldn't find anything. He did not. Uh, and for the Braves, it's going to be Bryce Wilson going to make his first postseason start. He was pitching at the alternate campsite. They basically have no choice at this point, Joe, but to put him in, in and get him involved. He threw a sim game immediately after Atlanta dismantled Miami and, and basically told reporters yesterday that he could pitch as long as they need him to pitch. Now, they're going to need him longer to pitch than Kyle Wright did yesterday, that's for sure as the Braves still lead the series 2-1. to one. But it was the bats yesterday that broke out in a big way for the Dodgers, a carryover from the night before. And basically Dave Roberts, their skipper, said more or less the last two days of late game and first inning heroics was really what put them over the top. I do think that last night's ninth uh, bled over into tonight. So it was just a, obviously a fun offensive night for us. Um played good defense and even you know when the game was out of hand we still I thought in my opinion took really good at bats um, Julio wasn't sharp early but for him to get through five innings to say some other arms I thought was huge so uh, a good night for us and, and, and Joe their offense is going to be good I would expect the Dodgers to hit against Bryce Wilson today wouldn't shock me at all to see them perform very well and this could come down to the same thing they get to the end game here it's Maybe a game six or game seven of Walker Bueller, Max Fried, Ian Anderson. And mm -hmm. and I like that. I, I really am enjoying this series. I do think you'd have to be a little nuts to take the Braves tonight and thinking that you know a plus 180 or plus 190, it, it certainly could happen. It's more of a – when you see a number like that in the regular season and think you can get two to one on your money, you almost got to take a shot here. But I'm not going to go against Clayton Kershaw, and he's pitched very well 
in this postseason. And I would expect him to do that again tonight. Yeah, well, I told you, this is the narrative I'd like to personally write is the redemption story of Clayton Kershaw in this playoffs and getting them to a World Series and winning a World Series. It would be a nice way to kind of get that last piece of that puzzle for an otherwise fantastic resume for Clayton Kershaw. And the the Braves should be very afraid right now because now they're in a spot where those Dodger bats have absolutely been awoken. They are hitting. <laughs> they are hitting big. And now on top of that, you've added in a spot where you're getting to the bottom of the Braves pitching here today. And that is an interesting crux, an interesting place to be in this series. And it's going to be fascinating to see if and when the Dodgers do tie this thing up today, how that affects the Braves mentally, confidence wise, all that stuff, because I think you still feel good about those other pieces you have. You feel good about Anderson. You feel good about Freed and Freeman and all the usual suspects. But, you know, the Dodgers weren't going to be bad for more than a couple games in a row. Because if you thought they were, you weren't paying attention all season. Yep. Uh, by the way, the Sporting News named their MVP of 2020. This is not the actual MVP of the baseball writers, but they've named the player of the year, Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox. Also, Jake Cronenworth surprisingly wins the National League Rookie of the Year, Kyle Lewis in the American League. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It's time to take a look at our trade segment for the week here on this Thursday. We dive into some potential players that Joe feels that it's time to go Maybe not all in on, but take a look at in your fantasy leagues this week. Remember, it's a really tough season to play fantasy. It's even harder to make trades, but we are seeing them in some fantasy leagues, especially if you're sitting at one and four at this point, or maybe you're on the other side. You're four and one and looking to kind of get yourself over the edge. And of course, there's always takes two people to make a deal. It's not always easy in a fantasy league. I know that, Joe, but let's start off by looking at a quarterback that may be worth acquiring moving forward. Yeah, well, and that quarterback is Matthew Stafford, who had a really good season statistically last year before he got hurt. And if you look at some of the reasons why you'd want to buy him, they're pretty clear. So you take a look at it right here, you'll see the number one reason is Kenny Galladay's back and healthy. And with Kenny Galladay in that offense, it is a totally different thing. It's not even close. It's night and day. You saw it already uh, last time out against the Saints. And look, they're coming off a bye coming off a game where he played uh, had three touchdowns in that game, and he looked pretty good. I mean, you know, he can't play defense. Matthew Stafford, it's not going to be his fault where they blow leads all the time and things like that. But I think when you look at potentially the second half of the season with DeAndre Swift starting to maybe emerge, that is definitely potentially on the board. But it's really about Kenny Galladay. And you look at also what he's got coming up, too. He's got the Jags and the Falcons these next two games. So those are two really good matchups where you could really maximize some of that point potential from the quarterback position. And this goes for super flex. This goes for um, even single quarterback leagues where things are a little deeper. Maybe you're in a 14-team league or something like that. I think Matthew Stafford is a target because I think the next two weeks here could be really good from a fantasy perspective. And even long-term, a healthy Kenny Galladay goes a very long way. Yeah, and look, having a bye week can't hurt. And, and you know at this point you're acquiring a player that's already been off. And you never know, they may have to be off again, but at the very least, you know going into this thing that you've already missed that bye week, and I think that's a big part of this too. All right, let's move on to the wide receiver position. And, Joe, it's clear at this point that Joe Burrow's got a really good connection going with T. Higgins. Maybe maybe that really wasn't apparent at the start of the season. In fact, probably if you ranked the guys at the start of the year, you would have went Boyd first, then maybe A.J. Green and then worked your way down to Higgins. But, Joe, it looks like there's a chance Higgins is the number one guy in Cincinnati, not the number three. 
Well, just look at the stats right here for a sec. 81% of the snaps last week. And I understand last week was a tough matchup here with the Baltimore Ravens. I get that. And at the same time, you think, okay, well, he still was on the field. He still caught a couple balls. He was still getting targeted. The last three games, he's averaging almost four and a half receptions and almost 60 yards. That's great. And I haven't always been the easiest matchups. I know this week isn't an easy one either. He's got Indianapolis this week, but I think Joe Burrow is going to Correct some issues here, despite the fact it's a really tough matchup. But look at that playoff schedule. The Giants, you get Miami, and you get Dallas. Those are three defenses I would love to have, not just him, but Tyler Boyd too. So if you can go get Tyler Boyd, go for it. But I think T. Higgins is an easier uh, trade target to acquire. Had some good games here. I still think people haven't realized you know, how good he has been. And I still think there's that little bit of an unknown floating over him in terms of what A.J. Green is or isn't at this stage in his career and at this stage in the season. But for me, rest of the season, I would definitely take T. Higgins over him right now. I'm just going to go with the younger guy who's healthier, who looks like he is a part of this offense and seeing the targets and seeing the snaps. 85% of the time on the field for a wide receiver, that's pretty good right there. I will take that to the bank. Before we go to to the, the running back position, if, if A.J. Green doesn't play at all anymore, Joe, is he a Hall of Famer, you think, in the NFL? You think he's a Hall of Famer? That's a great question. That's a great question. I would say no, uh, personally. Um, I think when you Close, look at him though, statistically, right? Close. he's yeah. probably on that border. And you know how you know the NFL having to put five guys in every year. Yeah, they look better after animal. like 20 years of not playing. Yeah, it's usually. I, I think this really is – I, I would struggle with that one too because, he, he, you know, when you look at the other guys in this era, I think you can think at Julio Jones, the Hall of Famer. I think you can certainly look at Calvin Johnson. These are his contemporaries. Those guys are the Hall of Famers. Yeah. I don't know if AJ <clears throat> had enough of those standout seasons. He missed a ton of time, and he's got no playoff runs because they got exited all seven times. They yeah. were 0-7 in the playoffs, the Bengals. I think that's what hurts him because he doesn't have any of that extracurricular activity. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Because I don't think he is. Well, it's like I, I look at another player and I say, you got to put this guy in before that guy. And so the player that I would say, and I think that this is similar, I, I would guess similar stats, is Reggie Wayne. So if Reggie Wayne's a Hall of Famer, you got to put him in before you put A.J. Green in. But then if you put Reggie I Wayne in, I'm willing to put but that's yeah. kind of the I see it the same way is that Wayne was fantastic, but I don't know that you'd ever make him Marvin Harrison, you know, and, and, and AJ Green yeah. is fantastic, but I don't know that you'd ever make him Randy Moss. And, and I think that they're like a step down for Hall of Famers, but they definitely deserve to be in. And also Wayne had the benefit uh, benefit of playing with Manning and also winning Super Bowls and, and AJ Green did not. He's, he's got those playoff games. That's the thing. They just didn't have playoff games. That, yeah, that's, that's Green never did. But again, if it could change. Let's say he ends up in a good spot. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe Evans is out or something. Tampa Bay takes a shot on him, and then that, that could change everything. Well, I, I don't honestly don't know even want to play. So I, I I think the health right now is the biggest concern and the time miss. You know, Reggie Wayne was a guy that even when he played with Harrison, he was there every game. You know, people forget they yeah, played together for a few years. You know, he never yeah. missed time, Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne was one of those guys that he was always right as rain. That's the problem is I think with AJ Green's career, when you kind of step back and look at the big picture, you see a lot of missed games and you also see inconsistency. He had some huge games, he had a couple big seasons. I think he had Hall of Fame talent. But I don't think the resume of the career overall looks like Hall of Fame. So um, this kind of circling back. So that's why I think going forward, I think 
Boyd clearly is the guy in Cincinnati, but I think the clear number two right now is T Higgins. And I think Joe Burrow will, you know, the schedule gets better for Joe Burrow. This is a tough two weeks here, but I think going forward mm-hmm. to you look at that playoff run that they've got potentially that those are some really good matchups there for the Bengals and for Joe Burrow too. If you're looking for a quarterback going forward, trying to replace that, right. maybe Joe Burrow, those playoff games could be really good, but there's definitely some guys to sell this week too. And one of those guys that I would be looking to sell is Daryl Henderson. I think with the cam Akers kind of scratching here, it looks like he might be coming back. Craig, to me, I'm looking right now and saying, okay, Daryl Henderson's overall numbers look pretty good. But when you start going to the deeper stats, the yards per carry, some of the other things that when you start looking at the, quote, metrics or deeper stats on Daryl Henderson, they're not great. He's got some touchdowns. That's always something that's easy to sell people on. And I think when you're looking, there's a lot of people who are desperate for running backs right now. We've been talking about that quite a bit. And I think the other negative, obviously, with Henderson is it's not even just Akers. It's also Malcolm Brown. So the backfield is crowded. He's got stats that are good enough that if you look at it from 1,000 feet, they look okay. But I think what's more concerning is what does the next six weeks look like for Daryl Henderson as opposed to these first six weeks? And I would be surprised if the next six were nearly as good statistically. And I think that's the kind of player you would flip right now, especially with so many teams between buys and COVID and all these other things going on. All these injuries happening that I think you would absolutely be looking to sell a guy like Daryl Henderson. I think there might be some actual buyers there for him. It could, there could be. It feels exactly like last year with Henderson when he got the opportunity, looked really good initially, and then all of a sudden you start to wonder, you know, maybe this guy is is not as good as he's cracked up to be. Uh, I, I look, I'm an Acres owner in in a lot of leagues, and so I'm I'm hoping that he ends up taking it. I don't think anyone is going to really grasp this role full. I think Brown will still be involved. I think Henderson, especially on passing downs, will still be involved. But I think it's like a buy and a sell for me. I would buy Akers at this point if he is healthy, and I would sell Henderson. So I agree with that. Now, I am surprised here to see this sell, Joe. Mike Evans of Tampa Bay? Are you kidding me? I mean, every time they're in the red zone, they throw to this guy. And I know Godwin's coming back, but why why sell on on Evans? Well, I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying, let's say you have a really good wide receiving core and Evans is part of it. And let's say you've actually played the waiver wire with some success. Let's say you've got some guys there like T. Higgins or or some other players where you go, hey, these guys are pretty good. I feel good about these guys every week. The thing with Mike Evans is this. If Chris Godwin does return, Godwin really fits much better with what Brady likes to do. So I think that's first and foremost. Second is you look at what he's doing statistically. These numbers are really, really pushed up by the touchdowns. And look, I'm all for scoring touchdowns. I always hated when people put that moniker on Chris Carter, when they'd say, all he does is catch touchdowns. So what? That's great. I think that's excellent. But it is something to be aware of that the value is really tied to him. If you look at his fantasy points on the year, he's somewhere around 60 fantasy points, right? But He's got six touchdowns, which means more than half of his fantasy points come from those touchdowns. He's averaging just 54 yards per game. That's not a great average for a number one wide receiver. That's what T. Higgins is doing. Save a couple touchdowns. So I think we need a little bit of perspective. Yes, he's catching touchdowns. Yes, that's great. But some of those touchdowns are those one-yard, two-yard touchdowns, and they're not really prolific. So I think in a standard league, you absolutely hold on to Mike Evans. But I think in a PPR, you could flip Mike Evans for another wide receiver. Oh, who knows? You could even maybe get an A.J. Brown for him and another piece. I think there's a way to get in a PPR right now, looking at just the, the numbers, the fantasy points that the guys put up, looking at the offense so far, looking at Tom Brady. I think it's easy to sell Mike Evans for a wide receiver plus. And I think this day and age, you need that depth. And I think it's something to consider because when you can cut somebody's fantasy productivity in more than half, simply based on their touchdowns, 
To me, that's always a red flag. I'm not saying you're not happy you have Mike Evans. I'm not saying Mike Evans is a bad player. I'm saying is I think you can turn Mike Evans into more. And this year, I think everybody needs a little bit more on their rosters. And with Godwin coming back, we really don't know how that's going to affect uh, any of his productivity going forward, too. It could hurt it even more. You would think these numbers would be better with Godwin out. You'd think it would be more like 75, 80 yards per game. No, just around the 50s. That's not very good, Craig. Yeah, he. But I'm not sure he's 100 percent healthy. So there's a couple That's of factors reason. for me with that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I don't know that he is. But but the other part of this for me is that I don't know that Godwin is 100 percent healthy. And right. if Godwin is unable to come back or he does not play well then that's a pretty big risk because you know that Evans is going to get some sort of volume with no Godwin. And it's interesting in the two leagues I'm playing in, one I have Godwin and one I have Evans. And it's like I'm like sort of rooting against myself each week. I know. In, in, well, in the, the other thing with league. Evans is, you know, you mentioned he's not he's not healthy. It's starting to become a chronic thing because it's always the same thing. It's always the hamstring. And that is something that always concerns me. It's, you know, people say, oh, this guy's injury prone. Well, he gets this injury and that injury. and He's got an elbow thing. And then this guy's got a knee thing. And now it's an ankle thing on the other foot. He's got the same injury all the time. And I feel like that is something that's always a big red flag, too. When a guy's starting to have the same injuries over and over, the hamstrings, almost like a ticking time bomb for me. So I would be very weary of that as well going forward. But like I said, I'm not running to try to get rid of Evans. But I think there's an opportunity right now to sell him at his peak. All right, we got to take a break here on Fantasy Sports today. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. Howard Bender will be with us. We'll go through all of the Super Contest picks. But up next, it's Fantasy or Reality. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. Mahomes threw for 340 yards. Almost all of this was in the fourth quarter. 21 rushing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He rushed for touchdown. Fantasy numbers were great, but this was not the best Mahomes game that I've seen. Uh, I guess, Joe, the way to beat the Chiefs is you got to outscore. All right, before we hit some fantasy and reality, just the latest news and notes around the NFL. A couple of quick ones here. Melvin Gordon back at practice for the Denver Broncos. So looks like he's in line to play this week. And, of course, Joe, we're going to wait news on Odell Beckham Jr., who for the first time in I I feel like it's been a year has really started to show fantasy promise. Unfortunately, he was sent home being ill, and they're going to give him a COVID-19 test. And, uh, unfortunately, if if indeed that test – comes back positive based on the results from other players that we've seen. Joe, the Browns are not off this week, so he would be off this week. And then maybe even uh, moving forward, as we've seen with guys like Cam Newton, who is expected to return this week. Well, and the wrinkle is if it is COVID, who has he been around uh, at the facility? And does this become a situation now where the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game uh, could potentially be in danger too? So to say that things are fluid right now in the world of sports, I think, is the understatement of the century. We are in this very weird place where we have to kind of continue to stay up on everything. And everyone is so lucky to have us staying on top of everything for them. And that's why they tuned into the Fantasy Sports Day to get all this knowledge and all this input and all this great, great takes and all the even the L's are great. Everything's great here. But seriously, I mean, I, I would hate to lose this Pittsburgh game because uh, I hate to lose any game. But this is a, a fun game, too, because you have a, a situation where the Cleveland Browns are four and one. I don't remember the last time that Pittsburgh Steelers fans had any sort of uneasiness playing the Browns. 
ever. Like, when does that happen in the last 20 years where Pittsburgh goes, oh, you know what, this is a tough one this week. we got to go play the Browns. No, that's tough. They're coming into your building here. And the Browns look like a pretty good football team right now. They're running the football really well. Uh, I would say that defensively they're they're making some good plays. And look, it's a fun little revenge narrative game here, too, for the young man on the line. So uh, uh, I know Mason Rudolph's probably going to be nowhere to be found. But <laughs> I would think that uh, there's certainly an opportunity here. Uh, for this defense to uh, to really show up here. And I think there's a lot at stake in this game for the Cleveland Browns, and they're playing with house money. This is a game that the Pittsburgh Steelers are supposed to win, so let's keep an eye on this one. I don't want to lose this one, Craig. I don't want to lose any more games. Well, it could have Tuesday night football again. That's, that's the way that it would be I like uh, trending. It feels weird. Does it feel weird to not have a game tonight to you? It feels weird right now. I'm a little weirded out. It feels it. really good. Honestly, it feels really good. You love it. Yeah, and knowing tonight that I don't have to deal with it is is honestly fantastic. I, I just am very – I don't – I'm not a big Thursday night football guy at all. I just mm-hmm. – I, I enjoy that buildup to Saturday for me with college. I enjoy that – Monday is done. Now I got four days because once Saturday comes, I know what I'm doing Saturday and Sunday. And then, and, and I, and honestly, I've, I've checked out of more Thursday night football over the last couple of years. If I don't have any fantasy ramifications or anything betting wise, I've kind of, I've checked out of it, but still, I, I just, every once in a while, it's good to change things up. And so I will not miss it tonight. I will say that. Mm. Well, I do agree. I do like the Tuesday night game better. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know if that will be the case, but I, I think we'll probably have both. Okay, let's start off with the Dodgers and Braves tonight. Clayton Kershaw will pitch, and so clearly this only took a day or two. That's really good news. No one really knows how hurt Kershaw really is and if it's back spasms or what. He's not going to say. He didn't talk yesterday to the media either. I don't blame him. Fantasy or reality, Joe? Clayton Kershaw will throw more than six innings tonight. Is that fantasy or reality? He's got to go deeper than six innings. More than six. Fantasy or reality? I think it's I think it's fantasy. Um, I think if he gets to six, you are you are so excited. And I understand this is very tough. Because if you're the Dodgers, you look at this situation and you say to yourself, hey, wow, he's he's gone six shutout innings and he's only at 95 pitchers, something like that. I want I want to leave him in. I want to let him keep going. But you have to then think about the long-term effects of that and how far do you want to push him? This is a really tough spot. Dave Roberts is in a tough spot today. I'm sure he's going to be very happy if he gets five or six really good innings from Kershaw and he'll take it and move on. But I understand then it becomes difficult of, well, do you want to pull him out prematurely? And what if you pull him out and then the bullpen blows it? It's like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I think you got to kind of take your medicine here with him. You got to go out there and you got to tell him, look, you know, you hope you go six innings, great. But that's it. You pull him. You don't let him get through that fourth time in a lineup or anything like that. To me, I think that's the the smart thing to do. I mean, most of the time, these guys don't go more than six innings anyway. Even the greats like Kershaw at this stage in their career, if you get to seven, great. But I don't know, man. I feel like it would be really advantageous for them to let him go further in this game. So I'm going to say fantasy, Craig. Do you think that they would let him, let's say he's, I don't know, at 95 pitches through six innings. Do you let him go out there and start the seventh? You know, there's so many things in play here, and the other thing that is in play is if this game is anything like last night, I I don't know which way the Dodgers would go. They have two choices. One, save the bullpen and let Kershaw pitch deep. Two, save Kershaw (laughs) and bring him back for game seven, I would guess, because they have no days off. I I don't even know if he could pitch game game three and game seven, three days rest. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say fantasy. I'm going to say fantasy, too. I'm going to have to agree. 
Uh, I, I, because of just so many variables involved, I, I think that they would feel very fortunate to get those innings and coming off an injury. I, I don't, I don't see him throwing more than that, but again, if he keeps the pitch count efficient is seven completely unreasonable. No, but I'll guess it's a fantasy and I'll say false on that one. Okay. The new iPhone is headed your way. Not your way, Joe. I know you're not a iPhone guy, but <laughs> a lot of us are. A lot of us in the world are, and the new iPhone 12 is coming out. Kind of odd timing to ask people to spend thousands of dollars out of their pocket for a new phone when a lot of people don't have jobs. But, hey, Apple's got to make money too, right? Those people have jobs as well. And, and look, we're, at, we're getting close here, Joe. We're at, we're at iPhone 12, right? And, and let's kind of paint both pictures here. iPhone is the most popular phone in the world, but... Uh, you know, it's lost a lot of popularity over the last couple of years. Their sales have been down the last three years. How many times can you put a new phone out and say the camera's better? The camera's really better. No, the camera this time is even better than it was the time before that. There really been a lot of change. So I would ask the question, Joe, fantasy reality, there will be an iPhone 25, double the amount of time that we've seen. Fantasy or reality? Well, first off, it's a reality that people are going to buy this uh, because they are they're indoctrinated into the iPhone cult. And that's what's going on there. And on top of which, you know, that's what people have right now. They have more of a relationship with their phone at this point in time in 2020 than they do with a lot of people that they used to know. And that's pretty much how you could do anything nowadays. It's pretty much your life is what's going on in my phone or what's entertaining me on my phone or what can I watch on my phone or what kind of YouTube hole I can go down. What's on my phone or TikTok or whatever nonsense. Um I don't think, I think it's going to be a fantasy that we actually get to 25. They're going to come up with something else because you got to think, all right, what do you get? Like one a year of these things, maybe every other year, something like that. That's a long time away. Another decade, I imagine it's going to be some kind of other device or something else. And without Steve Jobs alive anymore, I don't know if they're going to be able to get all the way to 25. So for whatever it's worth, I'm going to say you don't get there. I don't think you, maybe you get to 20. But by the time you hit 25, we got to have holograms or some other nonsense like that. I want to have something else. And it's not going to be an iPhone anymore. It's going to be an i something. They're going to change it. It's not going to be a phone anymore. It's going to be called something else. Maybe that's that's I think where things are going. So there there you go. That's that's my take on that. What do you think? Do you think we're getting to iPhone 25? I do not. I, I agree. I, I I think that we we're going to get to 17, 18. I, I think we're going to keep pushing this thing for a while. Uh, you know, listen, if if they can have Fast and the Furious 16 or 15, they can get iPhone 15. <laughs> I, I think we got a good shot at that. But 25, like that is a long time in the tech world. So I'm like, I'm with you. I, I think something will change at that point. A new company will come around. Maybe it won't be Apple. It'll be orange or pear or banana. But uh, but I'm, I'm out on that. I don't I don't think so. And And for me, this is the time that I actually would be upgrading to get a, a new phone, but I'm just not sure. Like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not clear on it step. yet. I don't know. If I'm you know, I always feel like it's a big step when you finally decide enough is enough. It's time for a new phone. It's like, it's like this moment. You have to have a moment with yourself and your device and you have to know, okay, you know what? It's time. And you become very attached to these stupid things. There's no doubt about that. No, I think it, it's true. Day, and I feel like mine is working really well right now for the most part. So that, that was me. I went way past. I went almost a year past. I, I last phone I had, I love so much. I kept it a year past. And then eventually it was running the storage and, and maybe I sound like I have tinfoil on top of my head, but I always feel like when they send you those, Oh, it's an automatic, an automatic update from the software company or whatever it is. I feel like that's all of a sudden a couple of times after that, all of a sudden you start running out of storage space. All these things don't work. 
Call me skeptical. I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, one of these lunatic fringe people now is in my old age, but I don't know. I feel like that's uh, that's how they get you and start to ruin your phone with those updates that are mandatory. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm undecided, but I, I would say 50-50 with me on this one. I passed over the, the last one, the 11, so I am due to, to get a new one uh, All at right. this point. I think you okay. deserve it. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Are you going to turn to, but you're not an iPhone guy at all. So this is like, you're out on this no matter what, right? I'm out. I'm out. Zero. Yeah, you're out. None. Okay. No right. Apple devices. In so, so, so a new movie is on Netflix, which I watched last night. Hmm. It's called Hubie Halloween. Adam Sandler is the star in it. Now by watched, it means I watched the first 40 minutes and fell asleep. That's the truth. Okay. <laughs> I have to finish it tonight. My wife gets mad at me, but look, sometimes after baseball's over and, and she wants to pop in the movie or turn it on, I'm like, look, I'll probably get through about half of this and then we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up tomorrow. Now, in defense of, not of me from falling asleep, which is weak, but in defense of this, it was actually pretty good. It was actually okay. pretty good. It was enjoyable. The, t- the, the period of time that I watched, and one of the reasons why it was enjoyable is because there's a lot of reference to the old movies that he's done and the old characters that he's done. So to see this pop up on our rundown today to discuss Adam Sandler wanting to create a cinematic universe of all of his characters was really piquing my interest. So, Joe, I would ask you, uh, fantasy reality at Adam Sandler cinematic universe, a good idea, fantasy reality. You know, I was on the fence and I was the one who kind of put this in here today. I, I kept going back and forth and going from the range of this is a horrible idea because Adam Sandler's made a ton of really bad movies on top of some really yes. good ones. But I feel like if you did it the right way and made some acknowledgments of some of the terrible movies, it actually could be entertaining how you might be able to string some of these characters together. It feels like his nutty professor moment where he gets to play all the characters and they interact with each other. Um, so I personally, I'm going to say it's a good idea because I, I do have an affinity for a couple. And I have a question for you after you give your answer. But I'm curious for you. Do you think it's a good idea that you have a cinematic universe film just called Sandler or whatever you want to call it? Uh, and all these characters somehow end up interacting with each other to save the world. <laughs> I, I think it's, I, I don't think it'll end up being good, but I think he's going to end up doing it because, again, he definitely has some of my favorite movies of all time. But there are also some really bad ones there that i would not be interested in whatsoever if, if he brought them back remake uh the remake of the longest yard i actually thought was pretty good that he was in but i, oh, I put no, my he's got a lot of great ones i say in the rushmore will always be billy madison happy gilmore uh the wedding singer and i guess big daddy but i don't know there's a there's a couple ones that in was there good that mr d was good too i'm in on all those i thought that all those movies were worth watching but again the level of badness down from those though was significant man like right. the one where he plays the, underrated too that's a where, where he plays like the it. woman and the man what movie was that that oh, was terrible oh god uh jack and jill because i'm looking at some of these oh. uh don't mess with the zohan i never watched okay. any of the grown-ups were okay. the grown-ups movies any good Oh, okay. Another one was bad yeah. was Little Nick, Little Nicky. That was not no good too. Yeah, the Little Nicky's terrible. That's a that's a terrible one. I thought. Oh, you know what? I forgot. No, the fourth one for me is the Water Boy. I still like the Water Boy. I just showed it to my kids a couple weeks ago. Yes, yeah, so they thought it was those, amazing. If he took the five right. or six best ones, yes. But if okay. he's gonna really, you know, if he if he has an affinity to ones that we don't like, it's like oh, you know what it is, Joe? It's like perfect example here. Maybe it's a bad analogy. I don't know. It's like going to see, and the one that always comes to mind, I was talking to my wife about this, Madonna. Why would you ever go to see 
Madonna in concert. She doesn't play anything you know. It's all the stuff that she wants to play now. Yeah, we're going to experiment here tonight, and she's an hour late. So if I Adam Sandler's going to play the character too. What do you think about that's it? That's it. <laughs> U2, Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel. Just play what you know. So if he took the best movies and made them into the universe, yes. If he's going to take all of them, no. I'm out. Sports Grid 60 is next. Make sure you stay on the grid. Joe and I will be back to wrap it up on this Thursday. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, the first baseball game of the day coming up in three hours from now. We have our starting pitchers, but not really starters, openers today between Houston and Tampa Bay. Starting for Houston, relief pitcher Luis Garcia. Grand total of 12 innings pitched this year. He will start for them. And on the Tampa Bay side, very interestingly enough, the opener is John Curtis, who's been fantastic for them out of the bullpen. Wonder if he can get through two or three innings today. So advantage Tampa, at least at the start of this one. Let's turn it over to Joe for the Sports Grid 60. Joe, take it away. You know, I'd love to switch gears this week to a different topic, but I'll be darned if Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell aren't just the gift that keeps on giving. Apparently, we could be on the verge of a Le'Veon Bell revenge tour, and that would be fun. I like good television, and I think Le'Veon Bell ending up somewhere in the AFC East would be good television. He wants to play at least once or twice against Adam Gase, and I think you know where he would like to put that football. And if you look at the track record of some of the other guys who have left in recent years and moved on from Adam Gase to other teams, my goodness, they've all had some pretty good success. So I personally am rooting for it. It would not shock me if he went to another organization that maybe was a little bit more likely to get to a Super Bowl, i.e. the Chiefs or somewhere else. But if you can't sign there, maybe revenge is a dish best served piping hot and not cold at all. That's right. Le'Veon Bell is cooking up something for you, Adam Gase. And I think you could smell what Le'Veon Bell is cooking. Had to have wrestling there at the end of the show. I haven't had wrestling in a while, so I guess it's okay for today. Okay, let's end with this. It's the uh, disrespect tour in Major League Baseball over in the American League. There's no doubt about that. The two candidates probably for MVP of the American League when it's all said and done this season, number one, Jose Ramirez, number two, Jose Abreu. Well, Jose Abreu today named the MVP in terms of the sporting news as their player of the year, a player that really doesn't get a lot of attention in Major League Baseball. Then again, Jose Ramirez is a candidate not only for MVP, but also the American League Comeback Player of the Year. But wait a second here, because Jose Ramirez was the best player in baseball after June of last year, and his war was 3.3. So the disrespect continues for both of those players. Mike Trout is probably not the MVP of the league. It's pretty safe to say when they decide on the AL MVP, the baseball writers this season, Jose is going to win. We just don't know who, Abreu or Ramirez, one of the two. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to Danny and Brett. For my co-host, Joe Pizapia, I'm Craig Mish. Talk to you tomorrow at noon. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.